0: It has been said, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Um, I like that for me, um, the two most important days was the day I was born again, right? That I encountered Jesus. And then the day I discovered why. Um, And and what this speaks to is is our purpose. Um, I know, but before Jesus, I did... very different things, and I'm not talking about like the the, the dirty secret sins and the, the skeletons in the closet. I just lived life differently. Um, I was a, a graphic artist, that's what I did. I had a sign um, company, a small one um, and, and I was uh, I was still a dad right, and, and I still endeavored to take care of my family. Um, but my time and my energy was focused um, in in a, a very different way, not to mention all the dirty sins and stuff and the skeletons in the closet um, but, but then something happened right. I showed up to a service here in this building in, in the North Worship Center and I sat in a chair similar to the ones you guys are sitting in now. I listened to uh, a, a bald guy talk about some stuff and I'm like, who is this man? What is he talking about? No. <laughs> um, but uh, I heard a message and I fell asleep in it because I was drunk. And um, But I came back and and I struggled to stay awake, and, and I struggled to lean in, and, um, and I, just, I just knew this. I knew that I wanted something different in my life. I'd really reached a place where I wasn't satisfied, and, and I kind of went through the motions for five years um, or so. And I would show up here and, and I was a part of what was taking place and, and people knew me and, and I began to develop relationships and being involved. Um, but I, I really didn't know anything about God and I especially didn't know anything about what God wanted me to do. And, and I, just, I just showed up and, and I was here. And then one day, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, I'll, I'll never forget it. Um, it was really... It was really just crazy. I woke up and I was so hungover. Um, and there was blood in my house. Um, actually, uh, this gentleman right here on the, the front, um, we had gotten into a drunken brawl um, in my house, not out of anger, that's just kind of one of the things that we did. Um, and I remember he's like, he woke up, he's like, I think I need to go to the hospital. Um, <laughs> something had happened there. Um, get some stitches, things like that. And I just, I just sat there and I contemplated life. and. Uh, and God really began to speak to me in that moment. And uh, I just like, I don't, I don't think I can do this anymore. Um, I was 30 years old at the time. And, it, and I just like, I couldn't envision the next 30 years of my life looking like the previous 30 years. I had no court cases. Um, I had um, money in the bank. Um, like I said, I had a good business. I had all of the things that, that I thought that I wanted, right? And the things that, that people typically seek after. I was comfortable I was comfortable, and things were going good to, to world standards, and then God comes, and he begins to shake and disrupt things, and I was discontent, and the reason I was discontent is because I was only doing things for me. Um, my, my, my purpose wasn't being lived out. Um, I mean, what I thought my purpose was, was being lived out, but, but God's purpose for my life wasn't being lived out. And it was in that moment um, that, that I truly began to surrender to Him. And over the next few months, I made wild and crazy decisions for God. Like not the kind of wild and crazy decisions I used to make. Um, but I, I started telling people like, I'm called the ministry. And they're like, you're, you're crazy. Um, like, <laughs> did you drink Kool-Aid? Did they give you white Nikes um, and a jumpsuit? Like, what's going on here? And I'm like, no. And, and, and I'm talking to my dad and I'm like, I'm going to shut down my business. I'm going to do different things. And I remember he said, you know, you're not going to make any money. And I was just like, no, I just, I have to do this. Like, I, I, it was like a, the light switch came on and, and I knew that I could never, ever go back because I had realized that, that God had, had called me to something better than, than all of that, that mess and that sin and, and, and the craziness of, of my previous life. And, and I began to, to pursue Christ the best that I, I knew how. And I began to pursue my purpose in him the best that I knew how. And um, it was a, a wild ride for sure. It continues to be a wild ride. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things I'll, I'll never look back. I'll, I'll never go back to that. Well, tonight's message is uh, transformed purpose transformed purpose. We're still on the Same God, New Me series we've been on the last several weeks. I encourage you, if you haven't listened to our other messages, to go back and check them out. But I wanna talk about a transformed purpose because um, the same thing that happened to me um, should happen to each of us. When we encounter God, we should be awakened to a greater call that he has on each of our lives. Um, And and your call may not be to be up here on the platform um, like mine, and that's fine, but God's called you to ministry. Every person who calls on the name of Jesus has been called to ministry in his church, the body of Christ. And we're called to do great things for him. And when we encounter Jesus in a significant way, when we begin to surrender all to him, we should be awakened to that. And and things should change in our lives. Motivations should change. Our pursuits should change. Our purpose changes. And so tonight, again, it's going to be transformed purpose. I want us to begin with my favorite psalm, Psalm 139. I often teach out of different aspects of this. Um, Psalm 139, we're going to be in verse 1 when we begin. and my hope in these first 18 verses we'll share tonight is that it'll soften your heart towards God's, um and God's purpose for your life. This is a Psalm of, of David. It's believed that he wrote this as he became king. So this is after David the shepherd, after David and Goliath, after David being chased by Saul. He, he's now um, king and, and this is something that he wrote. And he starts off in verse one. He says, oh Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Lord, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand, a blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me too great for me to understand. And so the first six verses of this really begin um, just to reveal that that God knows you. Say, God knows me. God God, God knows each of us. And the reason this is important is because sometimes we come into faith and we think this, that if God only knew who I was he wouldn't have called me. If God only knew who I was, he wouldn't want to use me. If God only knew who I was, man, he would send me straight to hell because, I mean, this is a mess, right? I mean, that's the lies that we tell ourselves. That's the conversation that if we're being honest, we have in our heads when we begin to look at God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. I know that's what I did. <laughs> God, if you only knew, if you only knew. And, and the truth of the, the matter is he does. He did and he does. It's no surprise to him. If he could have lived your life for you, he would have lived it differently, but, but there's nothing that you did that caught him off guard. And so this reveals that God, God knows you. The next few verses, it says this, I can never escape from your spirit I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. And so these next few verses reveal this, that God is with you. And I know this, that as we come to faith, if we take a moment and we look back on the years that we thought we were far from God, the thing that's revealed time and time again is we only thought we were far from God, that he had his hand upon us, that he was guiding us and directing us. I know in my own story, I can look back where, where I've, I've overdosed, um, been in car accidents and different things where I shouldn't be standing here today. And to me, that's, that's evidence of, of God's um, sovereign hand upon my life, protecting me in spite of my immense stupidity and saying, just hold on just a little bit longer. That, that he, he know he knew that one day I would surrender all. And God is with us no matter how far we try to run for him, no matter how much we try to hide from him. And then he continues, I love this. uh, Verses 13 through 18, um, so profound. Says this, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. Now, I just want to stop and, and say this. Um, we're Christians, but we're not stupid, right? God's not up there with cosmic knitting needles, um, physically knitting us together. Um, we all know how babies are made, right? If you don't, raise your hand. Somebody will be by shortly. They've got pictures and graphs. Um, they're going to help you out. Um, so it's not, it's not talking about that, right? It, it's talking about that there's an intentionality. And the lie of the world We've all heard it, that, that this is all an accident, right? We, we won some cosmic lottery and, and everything just happens to be perfectly positioned so that we can have life here, right? That's the lie. Well, why would the enemy want to produce such a lie for us to buy into? Because if we're an accident, life is meaningless and there's no purpose. But again, God's word reveals not only here, but all throughout scripture that, that God's hand was upon life from the very beginning. Not, not only was it upon it, but it breathed it into existence, right? That God breathed this into existence and he did so with intentionality. No accident, purposely. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. it. goes on. It says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day, say every day. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment, say every moment. Every moment laid out before a single day had passed. I was listening to a message a couple years ago and, um, the, the gentleman teaching on this, he made uh, a statement in regards to this passage, and he said this, you were made for the day, and the day was made for you. You were made for the day. I mean, if we, if we walk this out to its conclusion, that you could have been born anywhere in any time, yet you were born here and in this time, right? Right? And, and if we look at God and his handiwork, and we know that it's purposeful and intentional, that, that not only was this time created for you, you were created for it. And, and the profound thing about that, if that's true, you're perfectly equipped for the life that you're walking out of now. Now, you may be stupid like I was stupid. And you've, you've jacked it up immensely and you've made it much more difficult than God originally intended it to be. But you were made for the day and the day was made for you. You are perfectly capable of facing the things that God has laid out or the things that you've walked into because of the sinful, broken world that we live in. Again, he goes, you watched me as I was being formed and under seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment laid out before a single day had passed. How precious your thoughts about me. Oh God, they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. How precious your thoughts about me. How precious. When it comes to God, he's not a disappointed, angry father. He he created you. You're his handiwork. It's intentional. It's purposeful. And the things that he thinks about us as we see here, are precious. Have you ever thought, just for a moment, and dwelled on that, the precious thoughts that God has about you? Um, I, have, I have six kids, and there's times they don't listen to me. That may surprise you. Um, and, and there's times that um, and I'm frustrated with them. But there's never a single moment that passes that I don't have precious thoughts about my children, but that I look forward to wedding days and graduations, time with them, right, as parents we see that, right, we dream about their beautiful futures, we're filled with that hope and that excitement about who they are and this precious life we've created and we're not even capable of a fraction of God's love And if we have such precious thoughts about the life we created, look back on the life that God created. Think how much more he loves and cares for you, how much more intentional and how much more precious you are. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grain to the sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Those last set focuses on the fact that God made you. When we understand these simple yet profound truths, it transforms our understanding of our time here. And ultimately, my prayer is that it'll transform your understanding of your purpose. When when you realize that God knows you, God is with you, and that he made you. Tonight, I want us to look at three different aspects of our purpose. And I want us to start in Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter two, Ephesians chapter two, that's in your New Testament. Um, I I want to encourage you to, if you have the U Version Bible app, if you go to the events tab, we put everything on there. Um, All of the um, notes that we use, even the ones that you don't find up here on the the screen, um, it's the easiest way to navigate our messages here. But starting um, in Ephesians chapter two, verse one, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, say all of us, all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. Just like, say just like just like everyone else. Those first three um, verses of, of Ephesians chapter two right there, I, I love that because it reminds me when I look back, you know, in those moments of God, if you only knew me, this really reveals, yes, God knows you. He knows all your dirty secrets. He knows all the skeletons. He knows where all the bodies are buried, right? Um, but that doesn't that doesn't change. And, and, and it also reminds me that that's, that was all of our stories, right? It, it's all of us used to live that way, right? Just like everyone else this is the life that we walk out of and we convince ourselves that somehow we're worse off or worse people than the others that are showing up here right I mean how many of us look around in rooms like this and, and think that 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 somehow we're worse than everybody else but but God's word reveals something different and then it goes on but God I love it say but God I love but God moments. It's like, hey, Aaron, you were such a screw up, right? You were, you were running from me. You were making all the wrong choices, but God, but God, but God's so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved for he raised us from the dead along with Christ Jesus and seated us with him in heavenly realms. See, seated me with Jesus, seated you with Jesus in heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ Jesus, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he's done for us, who are united with Christ Jesus. Jesus. In verse eight, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Say, I'm a masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. I love that. I mean, if you walk that out, it starts off by saying, I know that you sucked at life. I know that you were a piece of crap. I know that you messed up just like everyone else, but God, and I love the but God part, and then said, don't forget, you're God's masterpiece. Who? The drunk the drug addict, the adulterer, right? The person who gambled away, the life savings. But those of us who came to Jesus afterwards and said, I'm no longer going to be that. I'm going to live for you. That person is God's masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You, Right? None of us are disqualified from God's work. Every single one of us is called to it. And we have to stop letting the world dictate who we are, who we're supposed to be. And realize it's not an accident. You're not an accident. Your life was created with purpose and for a purpose. And that's point number one. You were created on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose. Who? You. I don't care what your past was. It's no worse than anybody else's in the eyes of God. And God has redeemed you no less than he's redeemed me. And he's created you with the purpose. For a purpose, with purpose. We have to open our eyes to it. Because as long as we think otherwise, we're stuck in the snares and the traps of the enemy. And you will never live out the fullness of life that God has called you to. We have to wake up to it. Stop being stuck there, thinking that your time's not now, that it won't come because you're too far gone and messed up too much. Set those things down. Awaken to the fact that God's called you to something greater. You were created on purpose. You, for a purpose and with purpose. That's the great profound truth that changes the lens through which we get to view life. And when we awaken to that, we awaken to so much more, limitless, endless. I never would have thought the degenerate white trash drunk that I was would do a fraction of the things for God that I get to do today. And it's only through him because I realized that he actually created. I'm the creation on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. You were created on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose if you guys would, if you would turn over to Romans or turn back to Romans 12, Romans 12 verse one, we're going to look at point number two before I have like a stroke or something. I should really stop slamming those C4s, you know, before I get up. (laughs) Romans 12 verse one, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Pause right there. I plead with you to give your bodies to God for all that he's done to you. I see so many people walk into faith and they do nothing. They don't serve anybody. They, they just sit there and, and thank God, thank God for saving me. That's not what God's word says, Right? Because he, because he did, you're called to do something. Works don't save you, but the fact that you're saved should result in works. I plead with you, give your bodies to God for all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. I love this next part. Don't copy, say don't copy. Don't copy, don't copy copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If we could just get that down right there, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. Instead, we've made a whole thing about keeping up with the Joneses. Like that's our goal in life, right? They got a new truck. I got to get a new truck. They mowed the yard. I got to wake up and mow the yard. They're not going to mow before me again, right? I'm going to have the nicest lawn. I'm going to have the nicest clothes, right? I mean, it, it just gets ridiculous. Endless and endless and endless. This says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. Right, let God transform you away from that nonsense. That's the old man, that's the old woman, that's the old life. That's what I chased before I knew God's purpose, right? And then we're supposed to awaken to the fact that, oh, I'm not meant just to be a mindless consumer. I'm actually meant to do something to bring glory to God, right? Not to bring glory to my family name because I've got the biggest house on the block and the biggest backyard, right? That's the nonsense that we pursue, Oh, did you see? I got three, my kid's an honor roll student stickers on the back of my car. Everybody notice? No, I mean, that's not what it's about. It's about God. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Say perfect. Nothing in my life could have ever carried the moniker perfect before God stepped into it. But God perfects things. Every good and pleasing thing I have is because of God. And when we awaken to our purpose, we realize that. The the old man, old self, old ways bring nothing but death and destruction, despair. But but we let God get a hold of us. And we discover his will. Not, Not Aaron's will. We discover his will. And it's worth something. Nothing I do outside of God is worth a lick. But we discover God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And that brings me to point number two. Our purpose is not of this world. As long as our eyes are set on on the natural and we fail to realize that we live in the supernatural, that, that, that as long as our eyes are focused on the fact of what we can have that's materialistic and we, we, we don't spend a moment thinking about the, the forever, right, the eternity, we miss it. My purpose is not of this world. It can't be. There's nothing wrong with enjoying what God's given us here, but it, it can't be Lord, right? That our purpose can't be wrapped up in that. Our purpose is not of this world. We're called to something greater. We're called to be citizens of heaven. And having a worldly point of view is what leads to addiction. It's what leads to captivity. It's what keeps us stuck there. We have to begin to shift our focus and realize our purpose is not of this world. I wrote this down. The worst that God has to offer is better than the best that the world has to offer. going to say it again, the worst of what God has to offer is better than the best of what the world has to offer. We need to begin to shift the lens through which we view life and live life and realize it's not about any of this. It's just about him. It's just about him. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll be in verse 31 as, uh, as we move towards closing. Um, it says this in verse 31. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So this is the apostle Paul. He wrote this letter um, to the church of Corinth. Um, they'd become um, kind of sinful in the things that they did. I say kind of, it was um, profoundly sinful. Um, and he was addressing um, these things in their, their church community. And, and he's reminded them, and he has been talking about things that you eat or drink, you know, can we eat food that's offered the idols, this, that, and the other? And, and that's not the focus of the point here, but, but he says this, which is really profound. And it, it wasn't just focused on that context. This part was broad. Whatever you do, say, whatever I do. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let that sink in a moment. There's so many things that I can't claim was for the glory of God. Um, when I was driving here, for instance, I got really angry on the road. There was this stupid water truck that wouldn't get out of the way, driving in the fast lane, and every time I got over, you know, other people seemed like they were going slower, right? And there was nothing about my driving that was to the glory of God. But to be honest, it should have been. It should have been, right? It's the thing. Um, I, one of the things that, that I do is uh, we have Live Free, our, our men's house. I love it. I uh, love the guys there. Um, this past Sunday, um, I spoke to one of the men there in a way that was not, not to the glory of God. It was embarrassing. It was shameful. I was frustrated, and I had to go back to that man, and I had to ask for his forgiveness. There was nothing about the conversation before that that I could say this was me doing God's work. It was the exact opposite. But, but whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever we participate in should be to the glory of God. Now, our, our worldly purpose, when, it, when we're wrapped up in things of this world, let's be honest, it's for our glory. I, I used to work my butt off in my business, not so God's name would be made great, but so mine would. I wanted people to know who I was. I wanted people to think I was worth something, right? That, that that I had something. How immature I was. But everything we do should be for the glory of God. And that brings us to point number 3. We need to understand it's not about you. When it comes to our purpose, it's not about you. It's not about you. I can't even say how many messages I've done. I don't know if you guys have noticed that have that exact same writing, because it's so true. We we live in in a culture, and and even in our church communities, that we think it's all about us, that that Jesus came just for us, and in a sense, he did, but it was all about God's glory. God came for us so that we could be about God, so we lift him up, And, and it's not about you, your purpose cannot be inwardly focused. It's that selfishness, when we make it all about us, that leads to the destructive behavior that destroys marriages, that hurts our children, that, that wrecks professional relationships, that wreak havoc on communities. We, we were called to something better. You know, Jesus talked about it. He said, you know, the world does it this way, right, but among you, it'll be different. And, and the greatest among you will be the least. That's what we're called to. And, and that's what our purpose will be attached to, is, is how can we be less about us and more about God and others? It's not about you. He continues, he says, don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me I do what is best for others so that many, say many, many will be saved. I'm going to say that again. I don't just do what is best for me. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. That was perfect. I love it. I do what is best for others. It's a great movie. Now, that's what I'm thinking about. So um, I do what is best for others so that many will be saved. Um, I, I don't know where you're at in your walk. I don't know where you're at in your recovery. Um, but, but I know this, that, that you will never experience all that God has for you until you begin to know what your purpose is. What has God called you to? And, and I'm not saying platform ministry. I'm not saying you need to be a preacher. I'm not saying you need to quit your job like I did and go off on some wild tangent. I'm just saying you you need to be wholly devoted to him and and seeking him and seeking the purpose he has for your life. I want us to do this. Uh, I want us to to bow our heads. I want us to close our eyes and I want us to, to spend a moment with God. I want us to spend a moment with God and I want us to just to begin to ask him, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? How different our lives would be if we spent a moment every day just saying that, God, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? Father, I thank you for those that you've brought here tonight. Lord, I thank you that, um, Father, whether they know it or not, it was by your design. Lord, that you've, you've gathered them up to be in your presence, um, to be at your feet in worship. And I, just, I thank you for that, God. Thank you for, thank you for making us for the day and, and making today for us so that we may seek you and know you. Lord, and I pray over those that you've brought here. God, I just ask that you would begin to open their eyes and their ears to your still soft voice and to your presence. Help them to see you, to know you, to seek you, and to seek your will above all else. God, reveal your purpose for each and every individual here. God, and I pray that you would give them the strength, the courage, and the desire to pursue it wholeheartedly. And we just thank you, Father, for being here amongst us tonight, for working in our lives and in our situations, for not being indifferent to what we go through and for hearing us when we pray. And we thank you for these things and we pray them in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So what's the application, right? In, In James, he reveals that we're not just to be hearers of the word, but we're to be doers of the word. And so we've got some action steps for you. Number one is this, commit your life wholly to Christ and whatever he wants. That's a, that's a dangerous prayer. God, that whatever you want, that's where I'll go. That's what I'll do. But it's what's required. If we're gonna seek God's purpose, commit your life wholly to Christ and whatever he wants. Number two, seek God's perspective and be open to the needs around you. Um, I can't remember the exact passage, but it it says something along the lines of, don't think that you're better than you actually are, right? We've gotta be willing to do whatever God's called us to. Whatever he's called us to. And Number three, realize that you can't do everything, but you can do something. You can convince yourself of all the lies you want. God has called you to action. Nobody's excluded. Nobody's excluded. We're all called to do the work of, of God's church, to be the visible image of an invisible God. And all of this, your purpose, <laughs> what he's called you to, it starts with a relationship with him, right? That, that's when he begins to, to really move, right? That's when everything changes. And so with that That means it's where we realize we can't save ourselves, but we know and believe that Jesus can. Where we ask for forgiveness and we make him Lord of our lives. And that Lord's authority, right? That that we give it all to him and say, God, it's yours. You're in control. And so if you've never done that before, if you've never given it all to him, if you've never made Jesus Lord, here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down front. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can make the greatest decision of your life. And that's to become a Jesus follower. Number two, maybe you're here. You've done that before, but you've gotten off track, right? You lost sight of what he's called you to. You tried to run away from it maybe, but he's called you back. And, and you're just asking yourself, can I recommit? Absolutely. If you're in here tonight and, and you wanna recommit your life, same offer stands here in just a moment. We're gonna have some people down front. They would love to pray with you and for you so that you can come back home. And then maybe God's just been dealing with a particular thing in your life. I'm not asking you to share it with me because God knows what it is. But if that's you, we've got some white chips down here on the table and there's nothing significant about them, right? It's, It's a piece of plastic. But when God speaks to us and deals with us on something and we act out of faith and we get out of our seats and we come down here knowing and expecting God to move That's profound, that's impactful. So if that's you, I wanna encourage you here in just a moment to come down front and grab one of these white chips. And then lastly, if you're in here and you just need prayer over anything in your life, we'd like to pray for you. So for any of those things, give your life to Jesus for the first time to recommit, to pick up a white chip or just to receive prayer. We wanna encourage you to step out of your seat, come down front and join us. And if everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.